Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning again, everyone. Uh, it's so good to have you. I want to welcome you to One Life Church. Uh, before we get started, I want, as I look into the camera, I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, all those at the Civic Center, throw your hands together today and welcome those who are joining us online. Yes. Love technology. Many of you join us from across the nation. Actually blows my mind when I look at it, and we're just so thankful that you would take some time to be with us. We do consider you family. Many of you send us prayer requests, and we want you to know that our prayer team prays for you throughout the week, and uh, we just want you to know how much we love you. All right, you guys, we're starting a new series called Summer Together. In fact, today's title of today's message is Better Together. It's all about relationships, but before we jump into it, I do want to remind you of a couple things that are really important. Number one, everybody say small groups. Small groups, what are they? They're groups that are small. How about that, everybody? You like that? They're groups that are small that are intended to give you an opportunity to experience life change. The way we like to say it here is life change happens in the context of life-giving relationships. Now, that's not something we made up. That's something that the Word of God teaches us. In fact, you're going to learn a little bit about that today. And so small groups aren't something that we just do here at One Life. It is who we are. It's the culture. It's the DNA of our church. It is the lifeblood. In fact, I've told our church this really from the beginning of our church days in 2018 when we planted. If there was only one thing that we would ever do as a church, you ready for it? It would be small groups. Why? Because life, life change happens in the context of life-giving community. Small groups are that important. And so can I hear a good amen from all my small group leaders in the house, those who have joined small groups, if you believe that this morning, Amen. And so why am I talking about small groups? You ready for this? Because our summer semester launches today, everybody. Come on, man. Yeah. And so right now, I'm just really excited. Uh, the summer small group semester is a lot of fun. We recognize that a lot of people are traveling and, you know, on vacation and doing that kind of thing, out camping, unless it's raining on a Sunday. By the way, I just want you to know as a pastor, I, I thank God for the rain because the church shows up. You're not out camping, okay? Can I just say amen for that? <laughs> All right. Um, but anyway, so, you know, small groups are fun in the summer. We do a shorter semester. Uh, a semester, we do everything in a semester-based system here at One Life. And so the summer, we have a five-week semester. So in other words, it means it's really short. But it's a lot of fun. We pack a lot of fun into that. Right now, I think we have about 10 groups already registered. In fact, if you haven't registered your group, it's not too late. Go ahead and register your group today. It'll be closed by the end of the day. Uh, but go ahead and register your group. But we got about 10 groups, and I want you to shop those groups. Go online to olc.church. Click the button that looks like that. Or you can text OLC groups to 94,000. Text OLC groups to 94,000. And that will send you a link to your smartphone, dumb phone, whichever phone you got. Click the button and it will open up our online directory. And then I just want to encourage you, if you've never tried a small group, try it. Try it. Like it's five weeks, y'all. Just go, you know, Dip, dip your toe in the water and try something new. And I'm telling you, you might just meet your new best friend. Again, can I hear a good amen from all my small group leaders and those who have attended small groups? Amen. It's so it's a lot of fun. We're really excited. That starts today. Now, one thing about our small groups that we do intentionally every summer is that we lead up to a day that we call serve day. Everybody say serve day. Serve Day happens on Saturday, July 16th, also known as the hottest Saturday of the year. Okay, everybody. Sorry. Uh, we do this not only locally as One Life Church, but we join with churches all across this valley and really all across the nation and the world on this day to do one thing. That's to love our city. 
hands, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a very practical way. And the way we like to do it here is we like to empower our small groups to come up with a felt need within their group. So we've been encouraging as small group leaders and those who are attending this semester, what you're going to experience is your small group leader is going to ask you a question. Hey guys, what would you like to do for serve day? Like what are some ideas? What are some needs in the community, in your family or your friends or your network? You know, you might know somebody, maybe there's a widow in your neighborhood that you're friends with that needs their grass cut. Y'all might collectively get together and say, you know what? On Saturday, July 16th, we're going to go bless this widow, you know? So there's a lot of practical ideas and creative ways that you can serve your community on the website. So if you go to our website and click the serve day button, it will show you literally almost a hundred or so different ideas or ways that you can get together as your small group and go out and serve your city. So you're going to hear about this a lot leading up to this. This is really important because I tell you what, you think that you're really doing a lot of ministry for the person, but what happens is what happens typically, you ask anybody that's gone out and done this, it's amazing how much God does in your own life when you go out to serve somebody else. You think you're changing somebody else's life and that is important and that does happen, but really what you'll notice is it changes you more than it probably changes them. And so it's a beautiful thing and I wanna make you aware of that and it is a lot of fun. All right, you guys, before we jump in the message today, today's a special day. In fact, uh, many of you who've been on this journey with us for the past couple of weeks, I preached a message two weeks ago and in that message, I talked about how to discern the best time to make a major life change. How to discern the best time to make a major life change. And if you missed the message, I want you to go back and listen to it, not only for just the content of the message, but for the story that I share at the end of the message. Because really what I was trying to do as a pastor and really as your friend is teach you what I've been experiencing over the past year living this out. We felt as a family that God was stirring in our hearts a transition. And so what I did two weeks ago is I really unveiled a message that I've lived out all my life, almost 29 years of serving the Lord. So I want to encourage you to go back to listen to that. So if you missed that, you're our guest today. Uh, I, that kind of sets up where we're headed in this next season. Because my wife and I, we are, and my son, Max, we're making a transition. And so we're currently the lead pastors of One Life Church. But as of July 24th, we're going to pass the baton as lead pastors to pastors Jason and Ellie Hubbard, who happen to be with us today. And so we're so excited. And here's the thing, family, I want you to welcome them. I want you to throw your hands together for them, because I want to invite them to the platform right now. Come on, throw your hands together. Show some love to Pastor Jason and Ellie Hubbard. Come on, everybody. Let them know you love them. This couple, my friends, uh, Pastor Jason uh, spoke about a month ago, wasn't it? May 1st, something like that, I think. And yeah. uh, he is in a phenomenal, he's like, yeah, sure, sure. I was here. Sounds it's, good to me. Um, they're phenomenal communicators, but more than that, they're phenomenal people who love God and who love you. And uh, it has been the joy of my life and my wife's life to get to know this couple over the past several months of just doing life together and building relationship with each other. And, and I never thought that I would meet somebody who would love you as much as I do. <laughs> but you're looking at them right now. And in fact, what you're gonna learn over the next couple of weeks as they speak and communicate and get to know you and everything, you're gonna hear their heart and you're just gonna fall in love with them as much as I have. And I can tell you this, you know, our desire as leaders and my desire, honestly, is to live out in front of you the most biblical, godly, beautiful transition in the history of church. 
Can I just be honest? Can we do that? You know? And so I think if anybody's ever undergone transition before, you know, it, it can get kind of ugly. And I'll tell you this, this process has been nothing but beautiful. And I want to give huge praise and shout out to all those people who call One Life home, who have just led well through this transition. And I'm just telling you, I'm so excited. God has done a lot of amazing things in our church, everybody. It's been incredible. But the best is yet to come. I'm telling you, for this next season that God is leading into, Pastor Jason's and Pastor Ellie, you're going to just see the hand of God, the grace of God on their life, their love for you, their love for God, their love for the valley, and what God is calling them to, to lead alongside you, to serve you and your family and your kids, and it's going to be an amazing journey. And so I just want you to know how excited I am, how excited my wife is, and uh, I just wanted you to welcome them. In fact, I wanted to give them opportunity just to kind of speak to you and give you a welcome this morning. So, Pastor Ellie. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, you guys. We are so excited to be here. Um, it has been a journey for us to get to this point. We've been praying and seeking the Lord since January, along with Rhett and Linda, and God put a, a word in our heart that there was transition coming, and we had no idea what that meant, and you were what he had in mind, and so we are excited to be here with you. Uh, this is really, truly an honor for us, and we're, we're super overjoyed uh, to be with you. We've heard nothing but wonderful things about all of you. Uh, as we've met with leaders, as we've met with different people that oversee different areas in the church, we've been so encouraged by hearing how wonderful you guys are and that has meant so much to us and we can't wait to get to know each one of you. Uh, say hi to us. We are excited to meet you and let you into our lives and get into your life. That's what we're here for. Uh, and so we're excited to do life with you guys. Use this one. All right, there we go. Uh, we, we are truly blessed and humbled um, to be able to be able to do this and that God led us to this place and, uh, and it's, it's been, an, it's been a, a lot. The journey has been a lot, and we are ready to hit the ground running. Um, we just came off of a, about a week vacation with our kids, which was amazing. Got to hide away with them and just love on them and, uh, and feel so much of the presence of God in this. So much of the presence of God in his leading. It never means that when God leads something, it never means that it is not without challenge but it means that he is right there in the middle of it to help navigate all of it. And I think that there is such a grace that has been on as Pastor Rhett and Linda and us as we've been able to journey together. There's such a beautiful grace that rests on this moment in history, but also on this church. Yeah. I want you to hear this from somebody who's stepping in from the outside, that there is a grace that rests upon this church that is noticeable. And there's a presence of God that rests on here. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what God has in store for one life, what God has in store in the days ahead is going to be incredible. And so we're honored to be able to be a part of it and to serve right along you and, uh, and to love Nampa and get some people saved. Yeah. Come on, amen. I think you can get excited about that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, um, just to give you a little, just a, a nugget, over the next couple of weeks, what you're going to notice is Pastor Jason and Ellie and myself working together, we'll be sharing the platform together. Uh, they want to get to know you even more. And so what's going to happen is you're just basically going to see, you know, two families working together, cohesively together, running a race together. And then if you've ever seen a baton pass and a relay race, you know, I know I don't line up on Saturday to watch those races, by the way, okay, uh, if it's not football, you know, but in a relay race, the most important part of a relay race is the baton pass. 
It's how things get started and how they're passed on. It's make or break. It is. And so what you're going to see is you're going to see that transition happening. You're going to see us passing the baton and them taking that. And so over the next couple of weeks, they're going to, again, build relationship with you, be speaking. We're going to be sharing the platform together and have a lot of fun together because that's just what we love to do. Uh, And then on July 24th, July 24th, that will be the day that will be kind of like the spiritual final baton pass as you guys start to run. We'll lay hands on him. We'll have some of our overseers here, some of his oversight. We'll lay hands on the family and the Hubbard family and just bless them in the name of the Lord. And then they'll go off and then it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be great. And it's already great. It's already good. But I'm just trying to be transparent, authentic in front of you as a family to just kind of make you aware of what's going on and what's happening. So we're really excited. Pastor Ellie, Pastor Jason, really it is an honor of my life to get to know you guys. And I know our church is going to go on for generations and generations to come and making a huge difference, not only in this valley, but in this state, in this nation, around the world. And I'm so honored that you guys have accepted and looking forward to the future. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's do this. Put throw your hands together one more time for Pastor Ellie and Pastor Jason, everybody. Amen. You may be dismissed. All right. I'm going to turn the helm over to Pastor Jason as he brings the word this morning. Let's do this, bro. Come awesome. on. Awesome. Well, good morning. It is, it is so good to see you, and it's so good to be here. Um, it's a, a surreal experience, I think, the fact that um, we're here, you know, <laughs> in the flesh, you know. It's one thing when you're watching online and, and the screen is this big, and then, and then you're here, and Nick is huge. <laughs> this is the first time I saw him, I was like meeting a celebrity or something. I've watched you from a distance. Not really like that. That makes it sound weird. It's not like that. (sighs) Well, we are so, so honored to be here and uh, love you so much and excited about what God has in store for us and for the valley and for our church. And uh, we have great days ahead. Um, As we, as we just jump in this morning, I, uh, I'm really, I'm really excited about this, and I'll get there, and they're fixing it, because my voice is way different than Rhett, so just, after today, it'll be fine, so, um, but uh, I wanted to just, I wanted to speak this before we get into the notes over you during worship, really got this sense of the Holy Spirit, his great pleasure over you, the, the the presence of Jesus, the face of the Father that is smiling down on you. And and I want you to know that, that the Father looks down on you, each individually, with such great joy. He loves you. He's proud of you. He's proud of this church. He's proud of what we've been doing, what you have been doing in Nampa and his face is shining. And I, and I just, I wanted to share that picture because it was so clear during worship of just this big old smile on his face when he looks at the people of one life. So just take that into your spirit today, that God is pleased and he loves you and he cares about you. We're going to jump into the word today and I would encourage you that uh, if you have a Bible, grab it. If you're one of these highly technologically people, you can grab your phone and text OLC notes to 94,000, and then there's fill in the blanks, and you can do all that kind of stuff there, and so I'd really encourage you to do that, or if you're old-fashioned and love paper, you can do that as well. You guys ready to jump into the Word? This, uh, this theme, not that theme, the theme that was up there, uh, is that theme, thank you, 
two of my favorite words in this theme. Summer, which outside didn't get the memo, and together. I just want you to think about that. It gives you kind of a, a cool feeling. Summer, oh, we're in the summer, and together. Together is, is something that is a beautiful Bible word, and we're going to dig into it a little bit here today so that you can kind of understand and grab a hold of the power behind this word and how it's not some just fun, cute little phrase, but the idea of together is a biblically ordained, God-ordained word that exists in the very fabric of who we are right now. It's, an, it's a powerful word. It is a word that the enemy gets scared of. Because if the church is unified, he can't stand. If the church is unified as the body of Christ advancing the kingdom of heaven, he gets really scared of that, which I think is amazing. So we're going to talk about together. We're going to dig into it. First of all, though, I thought I'd give you a few things that are just better together. Okay? These are, these are things that, as I say them, you're hopefully going to agree that they are better together. Peanut butter and jelly. Better together? Okay. Twix bars. I say tw- better together because <clears throat> there should be two in a pack. If, if you're the individual who lives on 82nd and Audie Road in Johnson Creek in Clackamas, Oregon, and you went to that 7-Eleven that was there on the corner, and you went and you opened the pack and stole one Twix bar, I just want you to know it would have been better if you just stole the whole thing. My first job was at a pawn shop, which worked right next door. I worked right next door, and so we always went to 7-Eleven to get all of our stuff, you know? And no joke, I'm walking through, and there's an opened Twix package. I'm like, who, who, just take the whole thing. Just, God bless you. Take the whole thing. Why, why just take one? Oh, my goodness. Bacon and everything. I mean, if you think about it. How about, how about chopsticks? Chopsticks. Just let it soak in. Larry and I were talking about sushi the other night. It is really hard if you have one chopstick. Just saying. How about shoes? Um, when you become a parent, uh, there's this thing that happens where you don't know how, but, but, but suddenly... There's an epidemic that just runs through your home of one shoe. And it's always when you're trying to go somewhere, right? Do you know where your shoes are? Oh, no, I don't. Okay, well, did you look in the closet? No, I didn't. We'll go look in the closet. Okay, I found one. You found one? I mean, it's like, it's, it's a beautiful day in paradise when you find both shoes where they're supposed to be. It's just, it's just incredible. How about popcorn in a movie? I'm a popcorn guy. So for me, popcorn and a movie is a win. Um, how about this, this one? How about scissors? Well, that's... <laughs> scissors without... What do, you, what do you call them? I was trying to figure out. What do you call it? Is it just si? You have si? And then it's a knife. Thank you. True. So two knives working together is better than one. How about Christmas and snow? I will say that. Animals in Noah's Ark. Pairs of animals. Yeah, okay. How about s'mores in a campfire? Anybody ever tried to roast a marshmallow over a gas stove? 
Yeah. Anyways, how about Sundays and naps? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Idaho and sun. I mean, they just go together. And how about this one? One life in small groups. Summer together. Uh, this is a biblical principle, and, and to just kind of set context of this whole idea, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, it actually talks about this idea of living life together. Acts 2 says this in verse 46. It says that every day they, meaning the church, devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. You get this idea and this sense in here of what life together looked like for the early church. They were with each other constantly. They were in the temple and they were in each other's homes. Now, it's, it's easy sometimes to look at that and in our Western culture, it's easy to be like, really? The, the temple, like, ev- every day? Like, they hung out with each other every day? But you have to understand, too, that part of biblical context is that the, the Bible was written in an Eastern culture. The idea of people doing life together was very different. Anybody who lives in an Eastern culture and reads this passage would go, well, no, duh. A few years ago, I went to the Philippines, and it was an incredible trip. But while I was there, it was fascinating to go to these little villages because these little villages literally exemplified this. They were in each other's home every day. They were sharing meals. Like they, they did life with the people that were right around them. This was the people that they did life with. And so this idea of what life looks together was a very natural one if you come from that culture. But I want to say this, that even in our Western culture, the kind of life that God designed for us to live, this kind of life of, of togetherness, was not ever based on culture. Culture does not base our lives on whether we live in together or not. Now, maybe it looks different than an Eastern culture. We have to figure out in a Western context and culture, what does it look like to live together? As the body of Christ here in Nampa in the United States, what does it look like to live together? Because God's design for the church has not changed. The outworkings and the methodology might shift depending on where we live. But the desire is for us to live in this community. And the reason that they did this is because they cared for one another. They loved one another. They encouraged one another. They were in each other's world. Well, If I think about all those things, those are all things that are totally possible for us now in the United States. It just might look a little different. This is the context of what this was written in. At the very beginning, Jesus said this, or God said this in Genesis 2. He says, then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. God didn't design us to live isolated lives. He didn't, live, he didn't design us to, to, to have our, our suburbia homes that, that we drive to and we open the garage and drive in and close the garage before we even get out of our car. He designed us to be able to live life together. And there are some really cool benefits from that. I'm going to dig into that here in just a little bit today. I thought this was really interesting, though, when we talk about relationships and we talk about life together. 
how, how in the fabric, I'm going to go more into this, but how in the very fabric of how we were created, we were created for relationship. Everything that we see is created for relationship, okay? In fact, they've done studies about social, social isolation. There's a tongue twister for you. That says that it's actually been linked to high blood pressure, heart disease, obesity, a weakened immune system, anxiety, there's more, depression, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's disease, and suicide. Well, it kind of sounds like if we live an isolated life, that isn't really good for us. But on the flip side, when we live life together, the benefits are way better. We're going to dig into that this morning. We're designed for the concept of relationship in the Christian life is twofold. One is a relationship with God. We were designed to have a relationship with the Father. And this is what's so beautiful about this is that the Father not only created us to be in relationship with him, but he actually then made a way for us to be able to overcome the weight of sin and the judgment of sin so that we could be in relationship with him because of Jesus. The desire so much of the Father is that we would come to him in this relationship and equally so that we then would have a relationship with one another in the body of Christ. And this is seen through everything that you've, you've seen. And, and this is so true. Relationship and the idea and the, the, the drive for relationship is so true in the church, but also outside the church. Think about this. Your entire school experience was all based off of your friend status. Think about it. I can't because I was homeschooled. But if you were a normal human being, you would say, school, who's friends with who? Are we friends now? Do you, do you want to be my best friend? I'm going to be having another best friend tomorrow, but do you want to be my best friend for today? Do you think she likes me? She doesn't even know you live, man. Come on. School, right? It's relationships. We were designed to be in relationships. Back when Facebook was first created, it was really popular. There was the relationship status. Do you guys remember that? And the relationship status on Facebook where, where you, you know, it's complicated, how, how, feeling energized, you know, what, how, okay, wonderful, you know, f- relationship status, lonely, you know, <laughs> relationship status, too many friends, no, that wasn't one of them, that, that was not ever one of them, but the relationship status, or, or how about this one, and I might be dating myself a little bit, do you guys remember T-Mobile's whole thing about Fave 5? Yeah. Who remembers T-Mobile's Fave 5? Yeah, right, right, Charles Barkley, yep, yep. And, and you had your fave five, and you had to really, really, really think and prayerfully consider <laughs> who those five would be because you couldn't change them very easily, you know? And then there was all the conversation. I remember being in conversations. You, am, I on your, am I on your five? Oh, well, man, I mean, I love you so much. So, you know, you're awesome, so cool what am I in your fave five? You know, like everyone's avoiding it because it's like nobody goes, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're not, right? There's this idea that even outside the church, everybody is longing for relationship. Everybody's yearning for relationship. I would say this too, that even people who would say that they don't need a relationship, need a relationship. Your physical body starts to break down without relationship. Even if you're introverted, 
I know lots of introverts. And they, I, my cup of tea and my book and my window, and it's just, it's perfect, and I could do that forever. Even that, at some point, we need people. We need each other. God designed it this way. If we try to live outside of relationship, we're actually living outside of the way that we were designed to be. Why is this? Well, because we believe that God created us and God is relational. God is relational. We see this in Genesis 1, the very first verse of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. At first glance, we're like, yep, that sounds great. That's awesome. When you dig a little bit deeper and understand that the Hebrew word for God there is Elohim. And Elohim, as you dig in, is a plural form of the original root word, which is Eloah. Eloah means supreme God. So verse one of the Bible the plural supreme God created the heavens and the earth. And this is outlined very clearly in the fact that God is a triune being. He is one God, three distinct parts. There's the Father. Give you a verse for this, John 15. This is actually Jesus talking about the Father. He says this, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you, remain in my love. He identifies the Father. The Son identifies the Father. We have then the Son. John 1, verses 1 through 2 and 14. In the beginning was the capital Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Was God. He was with God in the beginning. In verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So we have the father, we have the son, and then Pastor Rhett's been talking about it, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. There's this really cool passage uh, in the Bible in Proverbs 8 that I just, I, I love. Because in Proverbs 8, it talks about wisdom being present at creation. And so you start to think about it and you're like, wait, wisdom, wisdom. Is wisdom part of the Godhead? I know the Father, I know the Son, I know the Holy Spirit. Where's wisdom tie in? Well, in Isaiah 11, it actually outlines the seven spirits of God is what it talks about. And one of these is the spirit of wisdom. Well, where do those reside in? The Holy Spirit. And so we see then that in Proverbs 8, wisdom is the Holy Spirit. And then we read this. I think this passage is really cool. Proverbs 8, 27 says, I was there, I, wisdom, was there when he established the heavens, when he laid out the horizon on the surface of the ocean, when he, planted, when he placed the skies above and when the fountains of the ocean gushed out, when he set a limit for the sea so that the waters would not violate his command, when he laid out the foundations of the earth, I was a skilled craftsman beside him. I was his delight every day, always rejoicing before him. I was rejoicing in his inhabited world, delighting in the children of Adam. So what do we see? We see this beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit celebrating the creation of the Father. And then in John 1, we see that the Son was also there and being the word that is spoken into existence. God is relational. He's not just this entity that's out by himself and just 
doing whatever. He's also not, he doesn't have a multiple personality disorder. He has, he is relational. Now, because God is relational, everything that we see in creation is built to be in relationship. Here's a couple examples for you. Relationship of atoms and molecules that make up matter. Think about this. The relationship of these things, the closer they are together, the faster they move, we get what? A steam, a vapor, right? This is, this is elementary, right? <laughs> Everyone's looking at me like, I don't know about this. <laughs> the further those things are and the slower they move, it is a solid. So we see that even in the molecular makeup of creation, the relationship between those things that causes matter that we see. What about this? Our body's makeup. You may not be familiar with this, but in your body, there's a pH balance in your body of acidity and alkalinity. And those two have to be perfect in order for your body to function. And there is a number. The number is 7.3. Your body has to have a perfect balance of 7.3 of alkaline and acidic in order to properly function. If it doesn't, it doesn't. God designed there to be a relationship between those two things in your body in order to properly function. How about the sun and water and plants, ecosystems, the food chain, for crying out loud, and then people. It's not good for people to be alone. Everything that we see is built from a relational God who wove it into the fabric of everything we see. Pretty important thing, I'd say, then. So the second thing we realize is this, is that we were created from relationship for relationship. God created us as a relational being, three in one, to have relationship with one another. Uh, I don't know if, uh, if you're familiar fully with the New City Catechism stuff. New City Catechism is put together by Timothy Keller. And there are some statements that answer some questions that are really, really awesome in establishing doctrine. There's some stuff for kids, and it's, it's really good. The New City Catechism says this. It asks the question, how and why did God create us? The answer is this. God created us male and female in his own image to know him, to love him, to live with him, and to glorify him. And this and it is right that we were created by God, that we were created by God, that we should live to his glory. So we were designed for relationship. Can't say it any other way. As we get ready to kind of transition here, I want to do a couple of things really, really quick. Um, because Jesus, if we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus exemplifies relationship and what this relational dynamic looks like so well. He, he just, he lines it out so beautifully. And there's actually, you can look at them in three different categories. And these come out of uh, Luke 6, and I'm not going to have time to go through it all in scripture, but uh, essentially what happens is we see Jesus going into the wilderness, and he spent all night praying with the Father. He came down, and he called his disciples to himself, the, the specific 12. And then from there, they went down the mountain and started ministering to the multitudes, Okay, so we see these three things. The three areas of relationship that Jesus exemplified that, that we can take into our life are relationship with the Father, relationship with believers or the church, and relationship with the world. Okay, I'll give them to you again because these are all out of, these are in your notes, okay? 
relationship with God, relationship with the church, and relationship with the world, okay? These are these three things that Jesus exemplified. As you look then at Jesus's life, you see that everything he did was built around either his relationship, and it stemmed from his relationship with God, his relationship with the 12 that they walked with for three years together, and then his relationship outward focused to minister the love that he had from the Father to everybody around him. And so we see this beautiful thing that God laid out and that Jesus exemplified for us to be able to live in relationship with. Now, these all can get broken out a lot more, but I just wanted to give them to you today because as we think about relationship, and even as we look at this summer and the idea of summer together, um, together has a bunch of facets to it. It has an us together facet. It has an us together facet. And summer is an opportunity for us to connect with our neighbors, our coworkers, the people around us that we have just been trying to share the love of Jesus with. It's a great opportunity for us to be together. And every one of these areas of life, God has ordained and given grace for us to be able to live in, right? So three areas to be able to think about. Now, as we get ready to, to conclude, um, and I'm, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do, for the sake of time, I'm gonna do a few of these. There's, there's eight benefits to being in relationship, okay? I'm only gonna go through a couple of them today because I don't wanna race through because I've given a lot of stuff, so I don't, want, I don't want it to be like, oh, well, there was a ton, now what do I do with it? But I wanna talk about some benefits of relationships because there are some incredible benefits of relationships that we see in scripture, okay? Can I do that for a second? Okay, the first of these is this, is receiving and giving love. Receiving and giving love. Very, very simple. John, 1 John 4, verse 10 says this, that love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. We have the incredible privilege of being able to receive the love of the Father and to be able to share it with those around us. Now, I, I understand this too, that part of receiving and giving love is actually coming to a place where we're able to receive love. And I know for many, this can be a challenge because of either our past and the things that we carry because of shame and guilt of sin, because of things that people have said, because of lies that people have spoken over us, we carry this thing that then when we stand and we actually say that I can receive the love of God, it's a disconnect. It's hard for us sometimes to believe that we are truly loved by a father with an unconditional love that pours over everything. Now, in order for us to be able to give the unconditional love, we first have to experience the unconditional love. My prayer for you here this morning, and as we get ready to conclude here in just a couple of minutes, my prayer for you this morning is that if you get nothing else out of this morning, that you understand that there is a father who pours out unconditional love upon you. 
that covers everything you've ever done, everything you're currently doing right now, and everything that you ever will do. The unconditional love of the Father led Jesus to the cross to carry your sin and my sin. He bore it so that we can live in that love. And so my, my greatest joy is to tell you this morning, you're loved. You're loved. And it's not conditional. As we get ready to conclude, and I'm going to go into the... I, I got through one, which is great. That's, that's awesome. It actually, it actually makes next week really easy because everything's prepped. So come back next week for part two. <laughs> and we'll go through the rest of the benefits. And there'll be seven of them, which is the number of perfection. Oh, this is going to be so perfect. It's just a setup. God just knew. But the first thing is to get through this point that we are loved. Okay. This morning, I want to give an opportunity here as we get ready to conclude this time. If you're in this place and uh, the idea of a relationship with a father, God, seems like a far out distant thing. Or maybe there's been so many things that have gotten in the way and clouded the ability for that to be able to happen. Maybe the idea that you carry, the things that you carry from your past or even the things right now are way too much for God to be able to handle. I'm going to tell you right now, they're not. They're not. And today, if you're in this place and you find yourself far away from a relationship with God because of all the stuff, I want to let you know there is an invitation from the Father. The price for your sin has been paid for. The consequence has been taken care of. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I want to tell you today that if you're far from God, God has relationship for you today and an invitation to a relationship with him and an invitation to a family that loves you so much. So as we conclude our time today, this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. If you find yourself far from God, you find yourself carrying all this stuff and you want to just experience the love of God and yield your life, surrender your life to him, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer. And that prayer is just the beginning of a walk with Christ, the beginning of experiencing the love that God has for you. So would you do this? Just bow your heads this morning. And uh, we're all going to pray this together because we're a family. And if you're here and you're far from God and you want to make that decision to come close to him today, to receive the forgiveness of your sins and to begin a relationship with the Father and a relationship with the body of Christ, pray this out. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you for taking my sins. I thank you for taking my shame and paying the price so that I could be forgiven, I can be free, and I can have a relationship with the Father. Today, I receive your gift of forgiveness and eternal life. 
and I draw near to you. I come close to you and I thank you for your incredible love. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, if you pray that prayer this morning, I just wanna say welcome to the family. And can we put our hands together for those that prayed that prayer for the first time? Come on, whether you're in the room or online, come on. That's awesome.